This podcast is brought to you by the Almamac and Scientific Canada. It was recorded on the traditional territories shared between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe nations. Enjoy. I feel like I just butchered that again, even though we <laughs> we just had the conversation. Okay. My research on <laughs> uh, light adaptation in the in the fish right now. I'm sitting in a kiddie pool, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite nice. <laughs> Oh, that would be great. But it's oh, uh, not very professional. Previously on Random Walk. Okay, hello everybody and welcome back to the show. Today we have a very, very special guest, Catherine Valancourt. You're in Quebec, is that correct? I am, yeah. I'm at McGill in Montreal. I'm an eighth year PhD student, so basically... <laughs> They're trying to kick me out, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm very long in the PhD process, but uh, I study epigenetics and addiction. So basically, um, I work in a lab that uses post-mortem human brain subjects or human brain samples, so people who, who died of their illness and, and donated their samples. And I look at changes to the molecule of DNA in people who died of cocaine addiction compared to controls to try to see how their brain cells are functioning differently. I mean, like every cell in your body has the same DNA, has the same chromosomes, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, a brain cell and a heart cell and a skin cell all look and behave very differently. And so that's epigenetics, which basically turns certain genes on and off at certain times and for certain you know lengths of time so that the cell can produce just what it needs essentially to do its job, um, which happens during differentiation as you sort of develop as a, as a fetus, as a person, but the brain is, is super cool. And you're right in that it only has only been about 10, well, it's 10 years since I've been doing it. So it's only been about like 20, 25 years that people have really noticed that like, oh wait, brain cells use epigenetics to modify how they respond to the environment and how they interact with each other. And yeah, even things, you know, like early life trauma can cause changes in your epigenetic signature in certain brain cells that change how you respond to things way later in life. Even just like everyday learning stuff, like, you know, learning a new route to, route to get to school or meeting a new person and learning their name, like that all changes the epigenetic signatures as well. So in my case, like those are the kind of processes that you need as a person or as a thing with a brain <laughs> to function in your environment. But those are the same kind of processes that can cause somebody to go from like, casually taking a drug like cocaine to like the habitual constant thinking about and seeking the drug and that kind of behavior. So it's not necessary. I don't necessarily look at it from a, the actual pharmacolo pharmacology of a cocaine molecule on a brain cell, but more like what that downstream change of the way the cell behaves, how that changes and turns into a, an addiction. Right. Yeah. So it's a big ask. So we don't have, a ton of samples, so a ton of tissue. Well, the brain bank in general has been going on. So I work at the brain bank here in Verdun in Montreal, and we have over 3,000 samples now, but it's been going on for decades. Wow, um, okay. I would, cool. I'd like to be able to say that I work at the brain bank. You're, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's got a certain ring to it. You're, you're one of the brains at the brain bank, but... Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the worst place to be if zombies ever happen. I'm getting oh, out of there. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, do, but do, do they need living brain? Like, a, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. 
Um, I definitely see myself more as a, well, I like see myself in my future more as like a communicator with science training. Okay. And so I think once you're trained as a scientist, you're never, you're never not a scientist, you know, like you're always going to have that same approach that sort of scientific or, you know, almost scientific approach to things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also probably, I see myself even like further down the line doing research on science communication methods and things oh. like that as well. Yeah. Um, so we weren't in the same editing group, but, uh, can I maybe, uh, get a spoiler about, uh, what you decided oh, to write about? Yeah, for sure. I got really excited a little while ago when a couple papers came out that showed, so neurotransmitters, like the molecules that communicate between brain cells, the paper showed that those molecules can actually get inside the nucleus and change how genes are expressed as well. Like oh. neurotransmitters, oh, they also don't just transmit. Sometimes they just go in there and control the entire cell. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah. So I decided to write about that as sort of like an excitement explainer kind of piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went with like a life hack kind of article. You know how many listicles you see? Like, you know, yeah, amazing yeah. life hack. Yeah. So this, this sounds groundbreaking. This. Yeah. Uh, I wrote about them a little bit. And so I write for an online uh, publication called Epigenie, which is about epigenetics news, essentially. So I wrote about it there. Uh, okay. But it's, I mean, that's not scientific American. <laughs> it's much more niche than that. So I'm part of an organization based here in Montreal called the Convergence Initiative. Okay. So um, basically the idea is to bring science, well, neuroscience, but science in general, and art together to make both better, pretty much. So there's a whole bunch of different um, projects and sort of ongoing themes that that the, that the, the initiative does, and there's a whole bunch of people involved. Um, but my role has been developing a podcast for the for the for the initiative. So um, it's called Renaissance Lab. Not so subtle plug. And I <laughs> look for scientists who also do art and artists who use science in their work, and basically just to help them tell their stories and explain how show well basically to show how art and science are essentially attacking the same question from different angles and how you can elevate both by bringing them together oh cool i'm gonna have to dig into yeah. that i love that yeah that'd be cool yeah it's really interesting so like i didn't you know i was sort of i think similar to a lot of people you know like you, education here at least in canada it's like okay you have art classes, you have science classes, and by the time you get to like high school, it's like, okay, well, you gotta pretty much pick, like, are you a science kid, or are you an art kid, or whatever, right? Yeah. And then by the time you're in university, like, the last art class I took was like in the seventh grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, I do science and stuff. I do numbers and equations and protocols and pipetting, so that's my life. <laughs> and then, um, when I encountered Convergence, I actually took a class with them. So they have, it's a really cool thing. They do an interdisciplinary class. So they have neuroscientists from McGill mm-hmm. and fine arts students and design students from Concordia, a different university. Mm-hmm. And they bring them together in this year long class where we like, you know, explore each other's disciplines, but we also, you know, build connections with each other. And at the end we make like an art piece, a science community, an art piece that's communicating science so like I made this with my my artist friend my artist pal we had this like huge eight foot installation piece of like data points with like pulsating lights it was so cool it was oh, so so cool that's amazing it's like 
that experience made me a better scientist. Mm-hmm. And so this like whole revelation that, you know, this is a false dichotomy between art and science and that both I think are better when you bring them together. Any chance you would uh, come on after the, uh, the conference to do a sort of yeah, part two, sure. what have we learned kind of? I do love a good follow-up. Yeah. I'm well, in. That, that way we get two uh, episodes. Yeah. It's, yes. uh, it's efficient. Yep. I am totally down. I'm Great. excited to see what they give us programming wise too. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't actually seen the, any sort of talk of what. No. That's not yet. They're keeping it a secret. Yeah. Yep. And again, the obligatory intro. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. And welcome back, Catherine. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. So we just got out of, I guess we didn't just get out of, but we just finished up uh, CompSciCon Canada. So you joined the show uh, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I have no idea. Time means nothing. Time means nothing to me now. Yeah. Exactly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we had a little discussion about uh, CompSci, science communication stuff leading up to it. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. now experienced the conference and uh, this is uh, just a little check-in and see see what you learned, if there's anything yeah. cool that you'd like to share, any new revelations. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Let's, we can maybe just get started. Um, I know uh, the write-a-thon is always uh, a good experience, and I took some stuff away from that. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, do I look different? Do I look inspired? Because I you feel inspired. You seem pretty inspired, yeah. I, I feel pretty inspired. Yeah, it was... <laughs> really really cool like the amount of mentorship we got with the write-a-thon like I was blown away like my I guess I can say who was my mentor because he did an amazing job um I had Alan Shapiro who um works on water conservation science communication and is also a guy who made science lab which is like a storytelling science for the public in a kind of informal setting thing um yeah so he like gave us all kinds of like, like detailed reviews before the conference even happened. And then we talked about so much stuff during the ride. Like, you know, how I get into different sci-com careers and like tips for the gosh, do I have a mentor now? Like I have a, I have a new mentor. It's so cool. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. um, just a second. It's cool that um, they got all of these very well-established people to do this. Yeah. And like, at least in my experience, like he was very eager to help us. Like it was, it was a very much a, like, I want to help you guys with anything you need kind of situation, which is so refreshing, right? Like oh, one, yeah, of the, for sure. one of the things I struggle with a lot is like, you know, I'm sitting alone in my apartment and I like, have this idea or I want to write this piece and I'm like oh, I don't know if I could do this because then I look at people who do successful things and I'm like ah, oh, I can't to have people around that are like heck yeah you can why not it's just so nice yeah that's cool um yeah one of the things that I was interested in is getting advice on like where to send it or who to give mm. it to or or how to you know proceed did you get any advice mm-hmm. like that from uh from Alan yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, he gave us some ideas of like where we could send things or even like 
you know, if you're trying to send things places and you're not getting a lot of traction, like just self-publish on like Medium, which I didn't realize was like a self-publishing blog site before. Um, okay. But that's cool. So you can like, it's like, I guess it's kind of what LiveJournal used to be back in the early 2000s, only much more professional, um, <laughs> where you can publish your own stuff. Um, you can make it as unprofessional as you want. <laughs> I mean, that's probably true too. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I got some I got some pretty cool tips for that for sure. Okay, cool. Are you yeah. are you thinking of starting up a Medium account? I mean, probably. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. So I want to like try to pitch the piece that I wrote for for Comsec on Canada, um, a couple places, and see what happens. And if not, then yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Seems like a good there. idea. That was one of the things I also wanted to do that week is uh, just sort of dig into what the deal is with Medium. Mm -hmm. and, um, so yeah, you can, I guess you can self-publish or I think they have their own sort of uh, like blogs that they manage that you can pitch to and they might pay yeah. you. But there's yeah. also some strange payment structure for, for the self-published stuff that I don't fully understand. But. Yeah, something about clapping. Like if you read people's articles and you give them a little clap, like a little, you give them the clap. No, yeah. that's not what I mean. <laughs> you push the little button that looks like applause. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess depending on how much that traction gets, you could get some some payouts. Um, sure but yeah, that. I'm not sure. Yeah, preferably I'd like to pitch it to a place that's just going to pay me for it. But if not, yeah, you can hustle any, on that site. Any ideas of uh, where you're going to try? Yeah, so actually, I mean, you gave me the idea last time to look into Scientific American, so I'm definitely going to do that. But then also, just like the Conversation Canada. Okay, yeah. That yeah. website, yeah. Um, those are my two places to start. Almost. Yeah, I think the Conversation uh, does sort of like minimal um, editing or mm -hmm. um, whatever. When they accept it, it's pretty much uh, they're happy to, to put it up as yeah. you intended it. So that's that's a pretty good option, and I think they get mm -hmm. pretty good amount of clicks. So you'd probably yeah, some. yeah, and you know since the for the conversation is about like they take work from academics, so I figure while I'm still technically affiliated with an institution, <laughs> I might as well make use of that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an important part. Yeah, I guess you yeah. have to be affiliated with a, a academic institution. Yeah. Do they do they take like industry professionals? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. Um, unless they co-write it with somebody in academia, right. I okay. think. Like I think their main thing is like getting academic voices to the public, which mm -hmm. is cool. But, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Pretty excited. And then of course, like okay. So I know I've seen you post some sweet articles on uh, on Massive lately very cool <laughs> and like so i i joined massive like years ago thinking i would uh -huh. totally just jump right in and then i totally didn't um so i've been inspired to like go back and you know start commenting on people's posts and see what i can pitch there too and yeah, yeah i i really like their lab notes thing that they they kind of started mm -hmm. maybe a year ago those ones mm -hmm. um it says you can be between 50 and like 300 words or something uh wow. just something that pops up that you think is kind of interesting that you see in the literature or something yeah and then you fire it off and uh they do some some editing of it and then it goes up it seems like a pretty yeah. fun uh quick turnaround kind of situation have you done a lab note one before or are your articles yeah. more like the main 
I've done um, almost exclusively lab notes. I've done one oh. full article, um, but then the other stuff that I've done on there have been lab notes. Cool. That's a mm -hmm. nice turnaround time. Yeah. Yeah. You just hand it to them. And uh, one time I got it sent back to, uh, to do a few edits like oh. that they couldn't do that I should do. So yeah, I don't know. It was like a, an hour's worth of work total. That's not bad. Yeah. And like, it seems like a good way to like get it from your head just out there fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's not percolating and, <laughs> and I think they'll give you 20 stale. bucks. <laughs> hey, 20 American bucks. Yeah. All right. So that's like a hundred Canadian bucks, right? Roughly. Roughly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's basically if we, rent. If we round way, way up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think you can do yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. what else stuck out to you? We had a, a couple of really cool um, like sessions. sessions. Yeah. yeah. Was there, was there anyone that you liked in particular that? Uh... Yeah. The storytelling session was great um, for a couple of reasons. Like first, like the actual presentation and the activities that the, I forget her name, the facilitator had us do, but a she's beer. a professor. Yeah, a beer something. She's a professor at McMaster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I've definitely seen her on campus before. Oh yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, those activities were super cool. And it was, again, like super inspiring. And like, I came up with this new story that I hadn't thought about before, oh. um, which was, yeah, really cool. But then they also, like they had us at a table of two people, right? So that mm -hmm. we would kind of do our activities with one other person the whole time, like bouncing ideas off each other and, and mm -hmm. working through our stories. And so the person I was paired with, I mean, this is kind of a theme throughout the whole conference, but like amazing, inspirational, like absolutely loved her story was like so excited to meet her like yeah super cool and and yeah so what i mean by it's a theme that comes up is that the, most of the people i mean everybody that i met at this conference and at comsec on the flagship just been so supportive and cool and i'm just like oh, yeah that's right these people are dope <laughs> where have these people been <laughs> yeah they've been there i've just been yeah. like i'm not cool enough to be with you <laughs> Oh, which I still kind yeah, of feel. Yeah, I found that but, as well. Yeah, and so impressive. So many people yeah. were doing so many cool things. The poster session was. Oh yeah. There's too much to to take it all in. Well, that's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess because it's online, it's harder to get really get the feel of everything that's happening. Um, mm -hmm. But they had concurrent sessions this year. Mm -hmm. Which. I was kind of bummed about it, to be honest, because I felt like I was missing half of it because I had to pick one. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I could see why they did that. Though. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> actually, so I, I missed the uh, the storytelling one. I went to the the other session. I think it was like the science of science communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cool. uh, you, you were saying that in your session, they you had some activities? Yeah. So I actually don't know what activities you guys did. I was oh, okay. left out of the loop. Yeah. Okay. So she, um, she was telling us, you know, about different examples of good stories and, and how to, I wish I had my notes on me because I wrote <laughs> these things down, but it, like, I wasn't prepared. Um, yeah. So we had activities where we had to identify like the character in our story for the first one. Okay. So then we go to our table of just like our partner and we had to describe the character 
using like observational context kind of descriptions and not like they were smart. You'd have to say something like, okay, they were always studying and they, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. <clears throat> and then the next activity, like she talked about the importance of setting. And so we had to like, set the mood using like emotional language and, you know, again, appealing to the senses. And then the last one was like the, like the why of the story. Like what are okay. the stakes, you know, like what is it important about this story? Cause like the difference between a story and an anecdote is that a story has a, has a why, like it changes something about the person or the characters in this that right. helps progress them towards some kind of resolution. So we had, we really worked on that with our partners as well, which was cool. Yep. That's probably a, a tough thing for, uh, at it's least for, for me. Well, it's tough <laughs> for scientists in general, I think, right? Because we yeah. always, you know, we talk about our research of like, what's cool about it, but like, why do we do it on the bigger picture? It's hard to kind of... Mm -hmm. I think in my situation, I'm often, when I start writing something, I, I just write something that explains a thing, but there's no real... Mm -hmm. like you could read the whole thing and be like, okay, so... <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah, and, get in the why in there, it's like, it's tough. I guess having like a character, yeah, like a, a person that you, you focus on, have like a human element probably makes that a little easier. Mm -hmm. And the person I was talking to, my partner, one of her characters was the ocean. Oh. Which is also cool. Like you can perceive it from the other way around. Like she's a field marine biologist and she's talking about understanding the ocean and the ocean like giving her this gift of inspiration. It was very cool. cool. Yeah. Wow. Very, what very cool. Sounds like a great writer. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's how I feel about everybody that I meet at this conference. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you did the, the Science of SciComm one. Yeah. Yeah. That one, was, um, that one was interesting. It wasn't really anything that I was expecting to be um, my wheelhouse, hmm. but uh, I was surprised. So, mm -hmm. well, the activity that we were asked to do was kind of just ask, a, like write down a, a general question that you might want to research about like something communication based mm -hmm. and um, we would type in whatever it was and uh, the people who were running the, the session would sort of pick through it and see like, okay, this is something that leads to like an actual testable, like not, I guess like a testable hypothesis. So um, yeah. trying to think of an example of one of the questions I wrote one down. Oh, you brought your notes. See, that's important. <laughs> this is my little <laughs> workstation here. Yeah, there you go. Uh, right. I wrote down the question, how has traffic to legit science news sources changed? How many new science news sources have emerged with COVID specifically? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they helped me sort of formulate that into something that you could actually look at data to answer. Mm -hmm. And they gave us some some resources for finding that kind of data, like um, websites that just collect massive amounts of data that you can just sort of access wow. and, and click through. So, Which is cool, but also kind of scary in its own way. Websites yeah, I'm not are sure. Pulling all this data all the time that anyone can go mess with. <laughs> it's like, what are the social insurance numbers of all of the people? Yeah. Who <laughs> That's my research question. Yeah, I need the mother's maiden name and birthday of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. If I have some spare time, I, I would like to answer that question. 
once they got mm-hmm. me thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I actually am interested in that. But yeah. Uh, and one of the things about, I'm assuming science communication research since science communication itself is such a new thing. So there's no real rules. Like there's no real big hoops you have to jump through to research it and then get it out there too. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point actually. And something that I didn't realize until they told it to me, mm-hmm. um, like communicating science, like communicating your research is in a sense, always been a thing, but not the way that we're approaching it now. I don't think. Yeah. Not in this like testable or structured. It's not even that has to be that structured, but like, yeah. There's just more data to look at, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quantitative or something. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about that. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could help, but I, I believe you were. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there you have it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think maybe I was going to say something like, uh, I think it was Katie Moise who was leading it. Mm-hmm. She's at McMaster. Um, she was a journalist with like CBC and various other places, but came to McMaster to look at this sort of thing. So now mm-hmm. this is this is just her wheelhouse of. That's awesome. I ask these interesting questions and I track down ways to. Answer. Yeah. Also, kudos to McMaster for like having positions available, like academic postings available for people to answer those kind of questions yeah i'm, like, I'm pretty impressed with that's McMaster amazing on that ground. yeah uh, i think she got hired through the integrated science department the isi program mm-hmm. which there i can see benefits and opposite of benefits pros and cons to the, yeah. the program <laughs> basically the idea is like you don't really specialize in any science in particular but you mm-hmm. uh do quite a bit of each stream Um, so integrated in that you get to do a little bit of everything and then you sort of take a specialization at the end, but Mm -hmm. having her in that department, it really seems like the eyesight program could go in a direction of like, like science journalism, science communication, science and culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think people who graduate from the eyesight program would be like uniquely good at that because they have a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. cool that I hope they, they, they do that. And then I hope they hire me in 10 years or something. 10 years? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about right after graduation, man? Yeah. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll take that. I yeah. Can do so that. 10 years. No, just kidding. Yeah. Maybe I graduate. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. rare too. Like, I don't think there's a lot of universities that I know of that allow that kind of generalization, I guess, mm-hmm. in science. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to ask uh, Evie. She was one of the expert reviewers. I don't know if you got to meet her. No. Um, she does the Science Sucks podcast. And, oh, yeah. Um, currently is finishing up a thesis, I believe, at uh, Laurentian mm-hmm. in their science communication program. Mm-hmm. And what she's researching is um, the different like science communication-based Um, offerings that every university in Canada has like what kind of training you can actually get for this oh yeah so I'd like to see her results and then um, yeah apply to work at those schools or yeah help fill in the gaps I don't know pretty much yeah just propose something cool like hey make a job for me yeah please (laughs) please let me pay me to podcast please 
<laughs> that sounds all right. I, I could... Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're getting paid for this, it's a pretty sweet life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, those seemed to be highlights for you. Mm -hmm. um, any mm -hmm. other sort of like quick takeaways that you can you can think of? Anything that yeah, I think you? the the big takeaway I got from it was just like just try it, just do stuff, just put things out there, and like mm -hmm. people generally this community community of people who communicate science um, are supportive. So just try stuff. There's no rules. There's no like you don't have to be a certain you don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have gone to like science communication training specifically. Just put stuff out there and yeah, and tell people share. about it, and just tell yeah. people about it exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I I guess like Medium is the perfect opportunity to do that. It's like starting your own WordPress site, except mm -hmm. the site already exists and people already go there. And you don't have to mess around with trying to figure out WordPress. Yeah. Which can be rough for some people, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um Yeah, maybe we'll we'll do this uh we'll we'll keep this one kind of short and uh Yeah, sounds good. I'll splice some stuff together. Any any last closing uh arguments or remarks that you arguments oh uh <laughs> no i don't have to, I, I think that's it i mean i've got writing to do so <laughs> let's go write some more stuff <laughs> hell yeah yeah um great well thanks so much for uh for chatting again it was nice yeah thanks you. for having me back you too yeah. and I, I dig the new haircut hey thanks yeah <laughs> Uh, definitely send me anything that uh, you start putting out. Um, yeah. I'd love to read it and share it and, and do all good. that stuff. Will if do. You start to start a website or a medium. Yeah, will do. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. I'll, I'll let you go. Sounds good. Have a good week. You too. All right. See ya. Bye.